Hello, friends. It's the first episode of the Gold and Steel podcast for the 2024 NHL season. We're so thrilled to be back. It's been amazing off-season. The Golden Knights, of course, won the Stanley Cup. But even though it was a shorter off-season, it still felt really long. I'm here with my usual co-host and partner in crime, Ian. How you doing, buddy? We're back. It's nice. It's nice that hockey's back, which is great. Um, it felt, like I say, it has felt quite long in the off-season. I don't know why, whether that's just something psychological about the way that it ended. You end on such a high, it then feels like a, a long lull. Whether that was because free agency was a bit dull. So maybe there was that as well. There wasn't the excitement that we normally see. But puck drop for me the two nights ago. And it just felt it just feels nice to be able to sit down, put hockey on the telly, and uh, and obviously converse with you, my friend, as well. So all good. All good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and what a climax to last season, right? The Golden Knights win the championship, got to lift Lord Stanley. So that's a pretty big contrast. You go into a boring off season right <laughs> after that. So that's probably why it felt so dull. Quick. Uh, summary of what we're going to cover in today's episode, just for our listeners. We're so glad you're all back. And if you're a new listener and this is your first time listening to us, we appreciate you. And we'll just give you a quick run through of what we're going to cover on today's episode. A lot to discuss. We're going to talk a little bit about our plans for 2024, what we're going to do with the show, the Golden Steel podcast and the Golden Steel brand. A couple of quick bits of Vegas Golden Knights news to kick into. And then we have five burning questions for this season. Can Vegas repeat? Will be one of those. What are the teams to look out for in 2024 and why? Who's the most improved team going into 2024? What lies in store for the Henderson Silver Knights this year? And who's one player in Henderson who could make the jump? And that may have already happened, hint, hint, but we'll see when we get there. And we have one listener question this week that we're going to address as well. So lots to cover. Let's kick right into it, Ian. Uh, let's start talking hockey. Uh, actually, talk about the show just a little bit, plans for 2024. We're going to keep doing our regular episodes, which generally are every two weeks. But Ian and I would like to be able to do episodes more often when significant news happens around the team. And so we, we're changing our tech setup a little bit and setting things up in such a way that Ian and I can, can produce episodes quickly when something significant happens. And sometimes that might mean Ian is in transition, maybe in the city, or maybe <laughs> he's on his phone. We did a couple of those last year and they were kind of fun. It may mean I'm, I'm on my phone instead, but we feel like it's more important to get the episodes out quickly when those things happen uh, rather than focus just on the times that Ian and I can both be in our studios. So it'll be fun, Ian, right? It's going to keep us on our toes, I think. Yeah, it will. Uh, just like you said, it means there'll probably be more episodes of me in London, <laughs> wandering, <laughs> right. wandering the streets of London whilst recording a, the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's it worked, it worked well. And, and the beauty is with technology, the way things are with us, and from your feedback as the listeners as well, we didn't have anybody say, look, the quality was worse, that there was any issues around sound. So, you know, I think it just enabled us to, to talk about these things quickly because as listeners as well, when there's something important that happens, you know, you'll look to us to what our thoughts are and you want to know straight away. And we totally understand that. And that's, that's kind of part of, of the reason why we're making that change. 
Absolutely. I think it's going to be great. And and that's us listening to, as Ian mentioned, to your feedback as listeners. And we think that'll be more fun as well. A lot of times when two weeks goes by, we put out an episode and some of the information is already out of date by the time we get there. So we'll keep our regular schedule, but occasionally we'll pop in extra episodes as significant things happen. So that's going to be fun. Also, we're planning to possibly throw in some extra content here and there on location at Vegas Golden Knights games at Henderson Silver Knights games. Obviously Ian lives in England. So most of the time that's going to be me. I would love it. Ian, by the way, if you could come over here and we could go to some games together, but in, in the meantime, uh, when, you know, while we're waiting for that to happen, uh, I'll make some appearances at games and, and maybe we'll do some special content there for the episodes as well. So that should be fun. Right. And, um, Ian, you and I talked about keeping a closer eye on the Silver Knights as well, right? Uh, on some of the prospects there and what's going on in the farm system. Yeah, and I think it's it's a good year for that because it's well, we'll talk about this a little later, so I don't want to jump the gun, but it's it's a big year for Henderson. Um, and you know, we've we've talked on previous episodes about how the Vegas Golden Knights are structured, how they've became the team, the juggernaut that they are now. But that is going to shift over the next two three years, and the importance of bringing you through whether undrafted or drafted is, is going to be key so a little bit more focus on that we're still a vegas golden knights podcast i don't want to confuse people with that um it's just the ability especially as you mentioned about things on location to be able to follow that team a little a little clo- more closely and and again this comes from feedback from you guys we know there's people that watch our show that are avid henderson silver knights followers mm-hmm. you know so it's um mm-hmm. a natural linkage between the two yeah, absolutely. We've got some uh, Silver Knights season ticket holders that that are followers of the show, and uh, and yeah, it'll just be fun to keep a closer eye on the prospect pool and and some of the players that will no doubt get called up throughout the season. And that's a good segue into a quick little section for VGK news. Obviously, we had the season opener last night. Hockey's officially underway. The Golden Knights beat the Seattle Kraken uh, by a final score of four to one. Pretty strong start for the team. Of course, they had the Stanley Cup banner raising ceremony, which is also very exciting and a great way to kick things off. I uh, I actually thought the team looked pretty good uh, out of the gate. I saw a lot of the qualities that they demonstrated last year. Uh, I don't know, Ian, if you got a chance to watch the game, but they were very opportunistic took advantage of their opportunities. It was kind of one of those bend but don't break kind of situations, which the Knights have become very good at. Because it wasn't that Seattle wasn't generating anything, but they just weren't successful no. very often. And whenever the Golden Knights got an opportunity to score, they, a lot of times they made something out of nothing, which is one of the things that made them uh, such a hard team to beat last year, I thought. But uh, did you catch any of the game or the highlights, Ian? Any thoughts on how it went? Yeah, I did. Um, I watched the game. Uh, lucky, obviously, with me being in the UK, as most of our regular listeners know, but for new people who haven't guessed the accent straight away, uh, <laughs> I am based in the UK, which means that I have the joys of trying to watch the NHL through, uh, well, let's say not easy methods. Um, mm. But the um, <laughs> but I did watch it. I saw the, the, the banner raise. Typical Vegas. I, I loved it. I loved everything about it I, I mean i've loved the stuff that nhl have posted i watched the video actually back again they've put a little video on nhl.com where it talks to bruce cassidy before that this may have all been played by the way in the arena i, I don't know but they t- talked to bruce cassidy before shows him turning up and then it shows the whole kind of banner raise and everything which 
with the like the slot machine and and all that. I thought that was a nice touch mm-hmm. um, because a lot of teams don't don't do that. They just they just kind of raise the banner up and the players stand there and looking like it's a national anthem and um, and then everyone cheers and it, it goes on. But I thought Vegas made a nice show of it as they as they do well. The game itself though. As you said, it was almost like we thought maybe there was going to be, and you know, we have conversations in the off season, um, you know, between the two of us, and we talked about whether there was going to be a Stanley Cup lull, which you see. We saw Colorado have it. We've seen Tampa do it, um, and I thought Vegas it would have, and it didn't. They they kind of picked up where they left off. So you had Aiden Hill, who was fantastic, um, and you know, we're going to talk more about the importance of his contract because people said. You know, I've seen a few comments where people have said Vegas didn't do much in the offseason. You're like, no, they did. They did some huge things in the offseason, one of which was Aiden Hill. Um, Barbashev looked great. His goal was that's why you signed a player like him. It's mm. the ability when Vince Dunn is trying to poke check or stick lift him out of being able to shoot. The strength that Barbashev has, his upper body strength to be able to essentially position himself to make that shot is fantastic. Um, but like you said, it's, it wasn't Seattle weren't bad. I mean, yeah, okay, the Tanev goal, Bob Marshall show goal, I think technically, but Tanev essentially flicked it onto a stick and it rebounded in. You know, okay, that's a freak goal. That, that fluky, you know, yeah, yeah, ninety nine times that doesn't happen. But still, I think Vegas showed why they are the team because Seattle are not a bad team. Not they were at a all. good team last year. They've mm-hmm. arguably got stronger in some aspects. Um, they've lost a few players, but overall they've got become a stronger unit. And for, to, for Vegas to make the game look relatively easy, albeit they didn't blow them away, I think is another testament to, to what we're going to see this season, which is a, a really strong, you know, contender. We talked about. And I'm going to. I'll, I'll mention this, although we'll probably talk in more depth when we when we talk about whether they can repeat. But last year, me and you kept saying. Why does nobody take Vegas seriously? I think that's totally different now. Everybody takes Vegas seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen nothing in the preseason episodes of various of the shows and podcasts that hasn't said that everybody thinks Vegas is a contender. And then you see that against Seattle and you go, that's why. Because they can win. They can win clean. They can win good. They can win dirty. They can. Mm-hmm. It's good. So it was a great start. Great start. It's one yeah. game. Yeah, but it's a good start. Yeah, one game, right? It's still early. And honestly, the preseason wasn't that impressive from the Golden Knights. You don't read into preseason that much. They're obviously no, trying out some different things. They've got a new assistant coach. and uh, But the preseason, certainly, I wasn't blown away by it until the last couple of games. Like they had a three-goal comeback against the Avalanche, which was pretty impressive. But uh, they definitely, now that they're right, now that the points, that the games mean something and you're playing for points, yeah, they they turned it on and, like I said, one game, but a reasonably impressive start. I will say in other news, I'm not going to say it's concerning, but perhaps a symptom of a shorter off season and a team that hasn't had as much recovery time. You know, the injuries are stacking up already. Two of them happened in, in preseason. Alec Martinez is out. He's on injured reserve yeah, and is considered, I believe, week to week or he might be day to day. Uh, White Cloud is on long term injured reserve. He had a wrist injury in the preseason, so he's on LTIR right now. So they've already got two Correct. of their main defensemen out. And then, of course, in last night's game, it wasn't apparent to me when these things happened, but Carrier was announced as day to day today, 
and also Howden. And those both of those guys are likely to miss the game against the Sharks. So injuries already a problem this early in the season. I'm not going to read too much into that. Sometimes it's just random. Sometimes it happens. But it's not an ideal start to, to go in uh, already with with you, you'd like to at least have a, a few games of optimum health, but that's just how it goes. This team is so deep. I'm not terribly concerned, and it's so early in the season. Um, like I said, it's not like anybody's been announced as missing the whole season or out for the whole season or anything like that, but certainly something to keep an eye on, I'd say, uh, as we move through the season here. Hopefully, uh, Carrier and Howden aren't out for long. Hopefully, these are you know minor things. Day-to-day seems to imply it's a fairly minor injury, so... Anyway, that's a that's our VGK news. We'll obviously discuss the team more as we move through the episode. But that's kind of our significant. We have, news was one other thing. Oh, did we did I miss something uh, before we before we, we about Brett Howden? Obviously, who's on his ah, injury? Yes, but of course. Let's hit, talk about that mm-hmm. because it has. He's been given a two game suspension for his hit against Tanev. Ah, um, yes. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't think it was malicious. I've seen it back a few times. I've seen the thing on NHL where someone from I presume the department of player safety like talks mm-hmm. you through the video which is a bit weird tells yeah. you why it was a two game I mean, it's, it's interesting I suppose but it's just a bit like you know <laughs> it clearly hits him in the head like I don't need somebody to tell me whilst I'm watching right. a video someone hit the head well you can see here that the contact to the head I'm like oh yeah I can see that um and um but do I think it was malicious no does Tanev go down a little bit a little bit. I just think from Brett Howden's perspective in this game right now, you can't hit like that stood up. Not that mm-hmm. straight. He's a big, he's a relatively tall guy. He's not the biggest guy in the NHL, but he's not a short guy either. Mm-hmm. If he's going to hit when he stood up against someone that's Tanev's height, you're more than likely going to catch their head. I don't. I didn't think Tan, Tanev embellished it. I didn't think he made a meal of it, but it just shows that, you know, I mean, okay, yes, he's injured anyway, but when you've got other injuries to to deal with you don't want players losing time when it comes to games because of things that are just easily avoidable so I thought it was a bit of a it's not yeah. a rookie but it felt like a rookie error like it's just yeah. middle yeah, of the eyes pointless, yeah, pointless hit watch, watching it I I didn't love it I certainly I couldn't I couldn't watch that hit and cheer him on it, it did seem it seemed unnecessary and like you said perhaps a little reckless now I it's possible, admittedly, I had a really busy day today. It's possible that I may have misinterpreted the news there uh, on Howden being out. It's possible that that was the suspension that I was reading about. And so that's my fault for Could maybe be. not fact-checking that a little bit more. And I'm sure some of our listeners are going to know the score there. So <laughs> please forgive yeah. me on that one. Like I said, busy day today. Didn't get the chance to do quite as much prep on that as I'd hoped. So it's possible that me saying Howden is out day-to-day is, is totally incorrect and that what I was reading... Basically, I read from one of the the Vegas press about Howden missing against the Sharks, and I assumed that it was injury. He was probably talking about the suspension, actually. Yeah, because it's definitely a two-game suspension, which will take effect immediately. Um, So it would be the Sharks game, obviously, which is, I think it's tonight for me and tomorrow for you, because there's still the joy of time difference. So I'll roll that one back. Let's let's say that that's probably the <laughs> suspension that that was talking about. I uh, usually am a little better on my facts there. So thanks for your patience, guys. Uh, just getting back into the swing of things here. So, all right, great. Thanks for reminding me of that, Ian. Yeah, we did say we were going to cover that. So, um, you know, and opening night too, right? Like dusting off a little rust still, a little bit pumped up. You know, it's 
think it's set out. And and do we know what Tana's status is? Have they announced that? In I, terms I believe of, he's okay. I don't think okay. he's no concussion he, he goes or anything like concussion that. Concussion protocol or anything. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I'll be honest. Right. Obviously, I don't follow Seattle that closely anymore. Now that we're anymore, on yeah. podcast, but yeah. um, well, hopefully, hopefully he's uh, all right. But um. Anyway, good start mm. for the Knights. Aside from that, obviously. Um. So. Let's move into our five burning questions. This is our 2024 season preview. The first big question, and, and we've covered a lot about the Knights already, but can Vegas repeat this season? That's really the big question. Do they have it in them to repeat and win another championship? And I'm going to jump in and start here, Ian, and just say they absolutely are a contender again this year. There's no doubt about it. There, there's, it's still It's essentially the same roster minus a few pieces, right? The biggest piece being Riley Smith. Of yep. course, we also lost a couple of depth forwards, which was not a surprise. We 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 knew Bluger was probably going to move on. Um, Phil the Thrill, obviously, who I actually think still <laughs> doesn't have a contract with anybody yet, but he's not a Golden Knight anymore. So uh, a couple of depth players. correct. Riley Smith, of course, gained Barbashev. I don't think there's any doubt that this team is a contender again. Now, there's some chance involved, right? There's health, and there's a lot of things that have to come together. But in terms of the roster, is it stacked enough to win another cup? Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I, I can say that uh, without any doubt in my mind. And it's interesting, going back to what you were talking about, Ian, the slot machine and all that. I think there was a little symbolism there. Bill Foley has quoted has been quoted as saying that he wants to be a dynasty. And he told William Carlson when they won last year, hey, there's your first one. But he had told them that he would like to win three, <laughs> three cups during this window. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I wouldn't put it past him. Bill Foley's the kind of guy that he's he says something crazy like that and everybody laughs and then he does it, right? He said he does That's playoffs in three cup and six. He wants a dynasty, and I think that the slot machine with the three cups, I don't think that was an accident. <laughs> I don't think that was an accident at all. I think yeah, that's foreshadowing, that. and that's what yep. Bill Foley would like to see happen. And it's happened before in the history of the NHL, right? The Black Didn't the Blackhawks win three during their dynasty years? And, um, they did. Yeah, as and, did the Penguins, I believe. Mm -hmm. Albeit they wasn't, they, they didn't three peat, but they did obviously repeat. Yeah, and and uh, the Blackhawks didn't either. I don't think, right? Did they no, win no, three the in a row? The Blackhawks were spread out over. Yeah. A, well, I mean, over in terms of window, a lot longer, but it was there was never a repeat. So it was there were gaps in between all the in three between. cups, right? Um, but it was it, during that same so, window for them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the challenge for Foley and for the Vegas Golden Knights is there's another 31 teams that want the same thing. So, of course, uh, of course. <laughs> it's, always, it's easier said than done. Yeah, right. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't, yeah. I don't doubt his ability to make these things happen because just look at the team on the ice, and you know, we we don't probably don't talk about this enough, but what Vegas have done since the expansion has never been done before you know um the only team you can compare them to really it's probably the la rams from the nfl and a team that basically said you know this whole draft thing yeah we're not doing that we're going to build our team from free agency we're going to build it through trade we're going to just build to win mm -hmm. um and it's it's worked so yeah so yeah so three yeah. cups wow okay that would be it's a hell of a right <laughs> he, he <laughs> said goal. he's been quoted as saying that it's a very bold prediction 
but I kind of love it. I honestly, everybody he's, he's laughed. He's the kind of guy, though, isn't he? Yeah, you know. he is. And everybody laughed at him when he said cup in three, playoffs in six, or excuse me, playoffs in three, cup in six. Yeah. And he pulled it off and, and actually even exceeded that prediction because obviously they made, started making the playoffs in season one. So anyway, I just mm-hmm. thought that was an interesting little observation yeah. about the three cups on the on the slot machine. Um, maybe it I was though, an accident, but... <laughs> in terms of your, your point around whether they're a, a contender, I mean, like it's an easy answer for me of this first question for us at least five. And we've, we've eased ourselves in gently, JP, because... Now, this is our preseason <laughs> because we we didn't get one. Um, right. But the so it is an easy answer to say yes. The two biggest things for me, though, in terms of why they're a contender this year, number one is the goalie tandem. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. That I would I would talk about Aiden Hill. Bigger two biggest moves that Vegas made in the offseason, and this is going to come as a surprise to anybody, was Hill and Barbashev. Why? Well, Barbashev had already proven that he was a great player. He's a really good playoff guy. And let's be frank, you're going to be in the playoffs this year unless something horrendous goes wrong. Um, but goalie tandem, you've got Logan Thompson, who is now fit, um, obviously on the bench currently, but he's going to have to earn his place. But we've seen... Vegas of all teams have done this before, where you have a 1A and a 1B. And I don't think there's any harm in having that. You've got two arguably NHL starters that are costing a grand total of 4.7 million combined, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. ridiculous. Um, the depth that Vegas have got now, I think, is is a real strength. I think Henderson Silver Knights has some players that can come up. We're going to talk about them a little later. Um, but there are, and we're seeing that already. You know, we, we talked about a few on the, on the beginning of the show in terms of players that may come in and drop out and, and they'll, they'll be filler, of course, currently, and then they'll have to earn a spot like everybody else does. But, you know, I looked at the, the line combos that, that, that were done on, on game one and I just don't, you know, Chandler Stevenson, a massively underrated player who produces year in, year out, and, and mm-hmm. again scores. Well, I think it may have been the first goal uh, against uh, against Seattle, and just proves again why he's you know the number two centre. You still got William Carlson there, as you mentioned. You've got Paul Carter, who you would expect to play a bigger role now, not filling in for Riley Smith because I don't think it's his game, but being kind of part of that top nine, which is so strong. Vegas when you compare it to the others so you know yes they're a contender will they win the Stanley Cup again it's a hard trophy to win do I think they're going to make the playoffs all day long they're going to make the playoffs do I think they're going to win the Pacific I do I just don't know whether they can win the Stanley Cup and we'll talk a little bit in a minute about the teams that teams to look out for I just think there's a lot of good teams so Mm -hmm. it's going to be a damn hard trophy to win um but it would be a very strong prediction to bet against Vegas, bet against the house. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, well put. Like you said, a lot has to fall into place. And yeah, a lot of great teams. The East is really strong again this year. So there's mm-hmm. always a degree of chance. There's some luck involved, right? So it will be interesting to see how the season plays out. I think you're right, though. Playoff team, I'd be shocked if they weren't win the Pacific very likely. And then from there, who knows, right? Anything can happen, but, mm-hmm. but let, let's move into, let's talk about some of these other teams. So one of our other burning questions is who are the teams to look out for in 2024 
and why. And Ian, I'm going to throw this one to you first. I've, I've got a couple of thoughts there, but I want to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are we looking out for? Who are the real juggernauts so, in the league this year? Yeah, and look, let's start with the West because that's the easiest place to start with. Um, Colorado is the obvious one to pick up on. You know, I feel like they probably had in their eyes a bad year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a slow start. Yeah, I think they. I do think they did underperform. Now that they still made the playoffs, they were still very strong throughout their regular season. The numbers for people like McCarr, McKinnon, Ranton, and were still very, very good. Mm-hmm. But by their own standards, and obviously these are very, very high standards that Colorado set themselves these days. Um, I think they they fell short. I would expect them to be stronger this year. Um, they haven't really. There's nothing that looks in terms of their team that stands out. If this is the reason why they're going to be stronger. But I think the why for me is because the players they have and the fact that salary structure-wise, they still manage to keep that core together. The mm-hmm. hardest thing for them is is losing Landers Gog. Now, I think the difference between last year and this year is this year they know he's out. Right. They know he's out all season. I know people hate me saying this because the people have commented. Um, I don't think Landers Gog will play again. Um, I think the injury is going to be too severe for him to do that. I don't know anything more than what everybody else knows. This isn't an inside track. I've just seen this before with too many players when it relates to something that's going to affect their skating. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to come. It's, it's too hard to come back. I, I would put Jonathan Taves in the same boat. I know he said he's taking a year out and he'll come back next year, but I think both him and Landis Cock are done. Um, and I think Colorado, because they knew this year they weren't going to have him, like, their line combinations, the power play, all these things you can start to, you know where you are for the whole season. So I'd expect them to be strong. Um, Sticking in the West, I think you've got Dallas. Uh, Again, a very, very strong team. And we're players that came out of nowhere, whether it be, you know, Rope Hints, um, you had Jamie Benn, who had a rebound season last year. You know, um, Tyler Sagan's now back the, properly because obviously he came back during last season. Um, you know, they're just, again, there is another scary good team that they're in a, in a central division that is, in my mind, and again, some people may disagree, very polarized. Now, I think you've got some very, very good teams in terms of Colorado. You've got Dallas in there um, as kind of the the teams to beat in that division. And then you've got some not so great teams, which obviously the Blackhawks still fall into, um, as in my mind, probably do Nashville. Uh, So I think Dallas are going to be there or thereabouts. And then I'll talk about Calgary a little more in a minute. But Calgary, I think, are another team to look at. Obviously, Edmonton you would say, as a team to look out for. My issue with Edmonton is that every year we say they're a team to watch out for and every year in the playoffs they manage to disappoint. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. They're a bit like Toronto. I don't know what they can do to get over that hump. Um, but that's that. And then on the east side, covering this quite quickly, because you could arguably talk about 20 teams here. I think the league has got parity, as we know. I think there's some very, very good teams. But in terms of the east, Tampa Bay obviously are still, you know, a team to watch out for. Um, Vasilevsky is is out for a bit, but not he's not out for the season or anything. So, you know, he's he'll be back and, and they're going to make the playoffs. I, I don't doubt that for a minute. Boston are another one. Boston are going to be very disappointed in how last season finished, oh, um, yeah. given how they, and, you know, the way they lost their playoff series as well is, is it's uh, going to sting. Um, yeah, for and, sure. You know, that's going to be, and they've had some big changes. Patrice Bergeron, obviously, you know, retiring. It's going to be a big 
hold to fill. You've now got Brad Marchand as captain. Um, that's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I never thought I'd see that, but I, I can yeah. I can understand it. Uh, but it's a, a big a big thing there. You've got Toronto. You can't discount them. Changing GM, but the same head coach, which surprised me a little bit. I thought Sheldon Keith may get the boot when mm-hmm. um, uh, the guy's going. Uh, Carl Dubas yeah. uh, went obviously to to Pittsburgh. Um, but there's a lot of then kind of middle of the road teams on the east. Uh, I would class Florida in that. You've got uh, Pittsburgh, Carolina, another another big team in there. So there's, there's a lot there's a lot of teams to look out for. I think if I was Vegas, the team that I would look out for most is Colorado or Dallas because that's who I think. It's very early to be doing predictions, but that's who I think that Colorado or Dallas is who who Vegas could face in a conference final. Yeah, that's yeah. my. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think Colorado and Dallas are the are the heavy hitters, and mm. I agree with you in the East. I Carolina to me has they've been knocking on the door for quite a while consistently, and Great. sort of strange the way they went out against Florida. But but look at what Florida did. Florida just kind of caught fire mm. at the right time, right? And and they just kind of were unstoppable. And frankly. If they weren't so banged up, they probably would have given Vegas a tougher series as well. But but that health is a big part of it, right? So, but I still Agreed. I just feel like Carolina they God they've they've been very close a number of times, kind of consistently over the last few seasons, and so I wouldn't be shocked to see a team like Carolina, you know, make it to the final, and uh, they're definitely a big time contender, and somehow they managed to even get a little bit better on paper. I think going into this season. So yeah, I would, I would agree with you on, on all of those. So that segues into a, a similar topic, but so who do you think is the most improved team going into 2024? So not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to be a contender or it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be one of the best teams in the league, but who, who made the biggest leap from where they were last season over the off season to, to now who made the biggest jump forward in quality as a team, would you say? So we obviously talked about this prior to clicking record. Uh, and I know that everybody that's listening to the podcast and those that are watching it, especially given the jersey that I'm currently wearing, uh, which is the the black Blackhawks jersey. Um, I think that I'm going to say Chicago here, but I'm actually not. Now, don't get me wrong. Chicago obviously are extremely improved from where they were last season. Um, but in terms of the most improved uh, and we all know Connor Bedard is the reason for that. There were some other moves that happened, um, but I, as somebody who watched the win against Pittsburgh and obviously they lost against Boston last night, but the, the, you know they're not they're in no way, shape, or form a contender. They're not trying to be a contender, um, so I don't think they're most improved on that side. The team that I think is most improved, and we had these guys. So when we did our um, predictions last year, because we spent the entire year taking the mick out of Mike for it. Um, he picked Calgary as <laughs> yeah. the Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Now, Calgary as a team from last season to this season haven't got any worse. Arguably, they've, they've got stronger, but what has changed, obviously, is the back office, uh, including the GM, um, but they've, they've changed the number of, of, of individuals within the organization that are not on the ice. Um, and I think, I don't see them having a season like they had last year. I think there will be this year the team that we were expecting them to be. There's some players that have got to show that, um, you know, uh, Huberto obviously being one, but there, there's 
there is, I, I, I think Calgary are a Stanley Cup contender, whereas last season they were dreadful. Um, and that's why for me, I think they're the most improved team. Not just because they're a contender, but I think they've not really done anything that makes you look and think, oh, okay, it's because they have acquired this player or that player. I just think in terms of the overall organization, the moves that they've made, you know, I think they're one to watch out for. In terms of the Pacific as well, I mean, you think obviously the, the division that, that, that Vegas are in, you, Edmonton and Calgary, that's who we expected last season. Obviously, LA start, you know, snuck in and, and became a bigger force than we were initially predicting. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Calgary don't surprise some people this year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, I think they probably underperformed last year, right? It, I think they Definitely. didn't, they did not perform as well as you would have expected them to based on their roster and kind of the, the skill level on that team. But, um, I, now yeah. you mentioned you didn't think it was the Blackhawks. I actually, my, my pick was mm-hmm. the Blackhawks, not because I expect that they're going to be, a contender or, or even a playoff team, but they were, wow, they were just a rock bottom basement team for the last, what, two, three seasons at least. And Mm. I expect this year, I think they're going to be more of a middle of the pack team. And that's a pretty big jump. Uh, Like you mentioned, in in addition to getting Connor Bedard, uh, they added a lot of veteran experience to the lineup, which I think will be helpful in getting the most out of the young players that they do have and that they're adding during this and bringing up and developing during this rebuild. They added Corey Perry, who, of course, is big time NHL veteran, plays with a ton of grit always manages to get onto these teams that make it to the final or win the cup. He, he, he's, he's got playoff pedigree. So his experience I think will be helpful for a roster like that. They obviously added Taylor Hall. We all know how good he is. Yep. And uh, Nick Foligno, um, you know, another, another kind of veteran, uh, veteran presence who has a ton of NHL experience. So I think that'll be good for a young roster in terms of developing them, developing the psychological side of the game, right? And morale and discipline and all the things that a core need to develop. So it yeah. feels like a pretty big jump to me, but I agree with you. I don't think the Blackhawks are, are going to be certainly not a contender and might not even be a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to be in the basement no. either this year. No, definitely not. And I think their season will hinge on a few things. I like what they've done, by the way, um, just to cover the Blackhawks very quickly. But Peter Morazic was fantastic in the Pittsburgh game. I don't know his stats in the Boston games. I've not had a chance to look at them. Or even if he played or Soderblom played, honestly, I don't know. With it being a back-to-back, it could have been Soderblom. But Morazic was fantastic in the first game against... Now, if he has a really good season, you know, a goalies can change games That's right. as we know um, and, and, and they could become a lot bigger team but what I like what they've done is they've tried to pair off youth and um, experience I won't say young yeah. and old but youth right. and experience right because mm-hmm. if you look at the decor now there's players I mean Kevin Kuczynski looks the real deal I mean okay he the Blackhawks made a lot of waves because they traded essentially to get him Um and they traded away a lot to get that pick, um, which the fans at the time did not like. But seeing him on the ice, and this is a kid that is like, I don't know, he's like a hundred foot tall, um, but he can, <laughs> and he is like, he's paired off. I, I was trying to remember who he was paired with, but I remember saying to my wife, we were watching at the time, and I said, the guy he's paired with is actually like six foot something, and he mm. makes this guy look tiny because right. Kaczynski's yeah. so tall. Just a but giant. He's got really, he's just exactly just a giant of a, of a guy. He's seven foot something, or anyway, it, it looks like, you know, Andre the Giant style, but he's, he is, <laughs> 
got really soft hands. Like he's got really the pace, passing ability, his movement with a puck. He's a very skilled defenseman for a big guy. Which is, you know, I don't want to typecast defenseman here, but normally that's not what you would expect from a you know seven foot juggernaut of a player. Um, but the fact they've paired each of those young D because there's Alex Flasic in there as well. Um, uh, uh, they've, uh, uh, what I think it's um, what Kaiser's the one. They're, they're paired off each of them with people like Tenordi, with Murphy, so that they've got this kind of mixture. And it's the same with with, with Bedard. I mean, Bedard is, it looks, again, looks the real deal. Everybody kind of knew he was. I'm glad he scored last night because, again, one of the conversations that I'd had in the offseason was, can the media just, like, give this kid a break? He's 18. Yeah. Like, if he has a bit of a naff season this year, that doesn't mean he's not a generational talent. It yeah. just means he's 18 years old. It means he's I mean, new. I, yeah. Yeah, he's eight, he's eight, and he's not he's not a big, he isn't a big, the one thing that's surprising with him is he isn't actually that big a guy. Mm-hmm. He's not weak by any stretch of the imagination. He's a strong guy. But he's only five foot, I think yeah. it's 10 or 11, which mm-hmm. in hockey player standards is it's short. It's quite small. Yeah. Um, for our generation standards, JP, that's average height. Uh, but it's, uh, it's quite short for a hockey short player. Short for so, hockey players, yeah. yeah. And, but he, again, his puck skill is fantastic. But having people like Taylor Hall, and that I think was a really good move. But why, they, why they've done all of this, and this is the one thing I haven't seen people talking about, this makes perfect sense from a GM perspective because they're not going to be a playoff team, which means when it comes around to deadline day, and they're looking to shift off players and get some draft picks in. Don't be surprised if people like Felino, Perry, um, not Hall, but some of the players that are only on one-year deals don't get shifted for draft picks because they're great playoff additions. So who wouldn't want oh, yeah. a Nick yeah. Felino if you're a playoff team? Very know, true. Just as a locker room guy, if nothing else, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. Same with Corey Perry. So I think yeah. for the Blackhawks, the, the additions they made make sense for for numerous reasons so i could totally understand why you why you chose them mate yeah yeah no that's a very good point i didn't think about that and, and guys like that in in this stage of their career are generally playing year to year right and and yeah. you're right any there's a ton of playoff teams that would gladly add those guys to their rosters for sure and cory perry the the not just the skill but the grit right like he plays with an edge for sure and and that's a great addition going into playoffs my gosh he's been on two or three different teams that have made it to Western conference or, or conference finals or Stanley cup finals or one yeah. over the last four or five years. So that guy probably has more playoff experience in the last few years than, than I any agree. player player in the league. Somehow he just managed to wind up on all these rosters, these teams that go on these deep runs. But, uh, but anyway, it'll be interesting to see what goes on with the Blackhawks this year. So shifting back to the golden Knights camp, Let's talk a mm-hmm. little bit about the Silver Knights, particularly in Henderson. What player do we think could make the jump to the Golden Knights roster? And that may have already happened, but Ian, I'm going to throw this one to you. Um, what What do you think with that question? Who Who's going to make the jump this year? So I think you're right. There obviously has already been some movement already. And I think it would be harsh to have him as the guy, Adorofayev, obviously, who we're talking about, uh, as the guy who was going to make the leap. Because I kind of feel like he made that leap already. I just think he kind of did, is, didn't he? Last year, he yeah, kind of did. And I yeah. think he was, he was impactful last year. We were talking mm-hmm. about him in some of our episodes saying, like, this kid looks like he can do it. He looks like he's a top nine NHL forward. Um, so I think it's, I, I would discount him from this conversation currently. But 
Brendan Brassani obviously is one of the players that people will be looking for. I think mm-hmm. his problem is he didn't have the greatest of seasons last season. Um, not, and again, some of that comes down to expectations. I don't think I'm not saying he's had a bad season. I still think he's a top six forward in as, as a potential, mm-hmm. but he hasn't got the same sort of trajectory that we see for all first round picks. And all first round picks are you know created equal, uh, so it, well, unequal, should I say? Because uh, like some kids take years and then they be- and then they just like burst out and I think Brisson could be like that so I think he'll need a season another season in in Henderson um, adding a bit more to his game scoring a bit more points I know that's not all of his game that it is but it, it would be good to see that but the guy that's interesting is a guy called Gage Quinney okay oh, sure. so this yeah. is a this is a guy so Vegas native so obviously the, the fans will already love him um, he's been injury prone this is an undrafted uh, addition to, to Henderson. So this isn't somebody that came through the NHL draft. This is somebody that joined in the NHL. I mean, his, his career, I won't bore everybody with his career now, but I would recommend if you go on to Cap Friendly and look at his, this is, a, this is somebody who's worked his backside off to get where he is now, let alone if he makes it to the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's put up some serious numbers. I'm actually just going to, if I could find where his, his thing is, I pulled up earlier. So his stats for last season is he played 66 games in the 2022-23 season for Henderson, he scored 64 points, uh, which is which is okay. Yes, this is the AHL, but that's still pretty impressive that's when you pretty, compare yeah, that to Brendan Brisson, who was nowhere yeah. near that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the year previous, okay, injury prone because he only played 38 games, but he scored 23 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Chicago Wolves, obviously before the Silver Knights uh, existed, 46 go- uh, games played, 36 points. First mm-hmm. season of the Henderson Silver Knights, which was twenty the 2020-2021 season, he scored 17 points in 19 games. His problem is staying fit. Um, but last season, he played 66 games, which is which is more than he's done the seasons before. If he can stay fit, I don't see any reason why, if there was gaps in Vegas, you wouldn't look to give him a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he could be a surprise call-up. So that's who I'm going to go with because... I'd love a story like this. And if he was to make it to the NHL, even if he just becomes a bottom six forward, um, you know, for the rest of his career, what a, what a story that would be. And uh, to have somebody on the team that's actually you know, it's a Vegas native that hasn't yeah. been drafted, that's actually worked his way through. I think it's a great story for, for that. So he's, he's my outside shot. Yeah, that, that is, it would be a really fun story. And I will say having, obviously watched the golden Knights very closely in recent years. He's had a handful of call-ups. He's obviously uh, high enough on the depth chart that he's definitely on their, on their mind, right? The front office has their eye on him. He he's not always the first call up. And, and of course that depends too, right? Sometimes it depends not only on how they're playing, but also on who's out of the lineup. Correct. depending on what spot they feel they need to fill. It's not always the same guy getting called up, right? It's not as simple. I think it's important to remember that it's not always as simple as, well, that's the first call up, right? There's sometimes three or four guys and one of them will get called up just depending on the scenario or the context. But, but Quinny has been called up a handful of times and has done, has done reasonably well when it's been called up. So I think that's a good call. And, and you're right, Brisson is kind of the first one that comes to mind. Like you said, he's yeah. on paper, he's sexier in that way, right? Because he was a first rounder and uh and he had a, some good moments in the preseason. But yeah, like you said, maybe, maybe still a little bit of youth there. And honestly, if I were a pro hockey player, I 
it would be really exciting to be part of the Golden Knights organization. But if you're a minor leaguer, it would also be really frustrating because this roster is so stacked. We've talked about this before. There's just no room. There's no space. No. It, it, there, it, look, look, Max Comtois, this is another little bit of news that we didn't cover earlier, you know, was given a professional tryout by the Golden Knights and did not make the squad. They released nope. him from nope. his professional tryout. And it's not because he's, it's not that he's not good enough. He may get a contract somewhere else, but on this roster, he would have had to have been exceptional during camp to bump somebody. I mean, basically he would have had to have bumped, bumped Dorfayev probably from his spot or possibly Paul Cotter, which I think was even less likely. So that's what you're up against. If you're a minor leaguer in this organization, or if you're an up and coming prospect. So it's tough. Uh, but like you said, with injuries and stuff, these guys get a chance to show their stuff. And door five obviously did that last year. And, but it's yeah, very hard right now. And Brisson in, if you were in another organization, I think he could feasibly be playing in the NHL already, but, uh, and a guy like Quinny as well. So it'll be interesting mm. to see, but Quinny's a great one to keep, keep your eye on for sure. That's a good call there, Ian. Well, I'm looking at the clock and and we're getting deep into the episode here. So in the interest of time, let's move on to our last point. We had a listener question this week and I love it. Rita, who's one of our regular listeners, has been a longtime supporter of the show and is always very spirited and always has great opinions and thoughts on the team. Popped in an, an early listener question before we even got started, which we love. And I'm going to read <laughs> yeah. her question uh, word for word here. I say Jack wins the Selkie this year. She, of course, is talking about Jack Eichel. Eichel excuse me, Jack Eichel. Uh, she says, I say Jack wins the Selkie this year. What do you say? Good topic if you hit a lull in the broadcast. You could try to explain why this might not happen. It'd be wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love it. the fact That's... she set the stall out. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you say, guys, as long as it's saying, I agree with you, Rita, you are all wrong. <laughs> but that's what I love about Rita. Yeah. She's uh, She has strong and firm opinions, and it's always fun to have hockey conversations with her, whether they be debates or um, she is a diehard Golden Knights supporter, and I absolutely love her for that. She is. But, um, Ian, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw that Thanks. one to you, man. I, don't know. <laughs> I have one interesting point so, I'd like to throw in, but you start, and then I'll no, and no, then no. I'll throw in a little extra That's info. Fine. There. I won't steal your point because obviously I know I know what it is. <laughs> but I the the Selkie Trophy, uh, just for those the new listeners that maybe aren't aware of what the trophy is, this is for the forward that shows the most defensive competencies. I think is the official line that they use. Um, so it's your defensive forward. And if you go through the years, who's won it? You've got people like Pavel Datsuk, uh, Jonathan Taves, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrice Bergeron a ton of times and players like that. So you're looking for a forward who maybe not be the biggest point scorer, although it's not, they're not, you know, interchangeable. We don't have to not score points, but it is around the defensive element of the game. Now, winning it this year is slightly easier than it would have been last year because Patrice Bergeron retired, so he's gone. So he's not in the league. <laughs> um, but there are quite a few players that I would say are in this in the mix for the Selkie. Um, you've got players like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, and I would have him as my favourite. Sorry, Rita. And I know I'm wrong because you've told me already, but the, <laughs> but the reality <laughs> is I think Ryan O'Reilly on <laughs> Nashville is a 
is is a, is you know with a better team arguably than where he was last season. Although there's some for debate, um, you notice that we didn't mention the St. Louis Blues when we were talking about teams to look out for. Neither did I mention Nashville, so you could argue that they're both in similar positions. But the reality still is that Ryan O'Reilly is is a hell of a defensive player. Um, faceoffs tend to come into this a lot. Again, I don't want to to put down, but faceoffs tend to come into it now. Now, in terms of faceoff percentage, can I get that off the stats here? No, I cannot. Yeah, but what I can get for the stats is that I called stats last year. His plus minus was twenty six, which is which is good. It's not great, um, but he if he's going to win it, so if we stay positive, and if he's going to win it, he's going to have to be absolutely hot on the draw. So his place is his faceoff percentage is going to have to be very good. His plus minus needs to be good. Whether people hold a lot of stock in that, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's seen as a defensive statistic, so mm-hmm. it will matter. Um, and it's what situations he's in without giving away the bit that you're about to say, JP. But the um, so I think he's got some really stiff competition for this. Uh, but mm-hmm. th- without Bercheron, without obviously Jonathan Taves, if he was going to win it, that's a good argument to say why not this year. Um, if he doesn't win it, though, does it does it matter? I, I don't know. I think if they win another Stanley Cup, no one's going to care. But mm. it would be nice for after all the stuff that Eichel's had for him to get some individual awards now, yeah, um, to kind of show everybody that he is that superstar talent, which anybody who watches the Golden Knights already knows. Right. Um, so yeah, that's my yeah. Piece, mate. yeah. It'd be nice a little bit of vindication for him, as if the Stanley Cup wasn't enough. But right, individual <laughs> vindication for a lot of the crap that that poor guy has taken especially mm. from the fans in Buffalo. So it, it would be nice. Um, and obviously he was, uh, most people would agree, the the Conn Smythe runner-up, right? He was right right, right in the mix up until the last minute and, and probably That's came in point. just a very yes, close was. second behind Marcheseau, who who did win the Conn Smythe last year. But uh, And I wanted to throw in just, yeah, one, one more quick little point there, Rita. It is interesting that you bring that up, Rita, because... Jack Eichel is on one of the penalty kill units this year, which is a really interesting development. I know he's a two-way player, but it's interesting mm. that he's now on a penalty kill unit, which he was not last year. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he's ever been a penalty kill guy in the NHL. I don't know enough about his history with Buffalo to say that for sure, but I would say that that may not be what he's known for, but obviously that Definitely. speaks to Cassidy's belief in Eichel's defensive ability uh, for him to be on a penalty kill unit. But it's it's kind of an interesting development, right, Ian? So I think what's happened here is that Rita has clearly spoken to Bruce Cassidy, uh, <laughs> told her the, her prediction over the Selkie, and he's gone, you know what? Well, you, you know clearly what? told me if I don't agree, I'm wrong, and therefore yeah. he's going to play in a penalty kill. Because you're right, normally he wouldn't. Yeah. Because... It's 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 ice time that you don't need a player who is such a prolific player on the power play normally. Mm-hmm. You don't want them then to be on both special teams because it's just more ice time, it's more minutes. Right, right. But part of this could be because Vegas are so stacked is that they don't need to... Like the, One of the differences between Cassidy and what we've seen with other head coaches in the Vegas system over the years is you don't need to continuously keep tr- like running out the first line over and over right. and then playing 24 yeah. minutes where everybody yeah. else plays 10. So... Mm-hmm. That that freedom, I suppose, probably gives him the ability to play on a penalty. If he's on a penalty kill line, obviously I didn't want to mention it before you did, JP. Does that matter in terms of the Selkie conversation? 100%. Mm-hmm. 100% it matters because um, it all goes down to more draws. 
uh, in terms of face-offs, goes down all those statistics that that, that could take into account. Yeah. Um, yeah, and remember yeah. that, like anything, these things are voted on by people. It's not. There are a few trophies where it is top goal scorer, most assists, blah 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 blah. All those ones. Ones when you get to like Selkie and some of the others, it's a bit like MVP. Really, there's always an argument for MVP of is it the fans' choice, is it the players' choice, or is it the popular choice? And that's and that's you know when it comes to things like Selkie, there is a little bit of unless yeah. someone's going to tell me I'm completely wrong here, but I don't believe it's statistically worked out. There mm-hmm. are statistics that go behind it, but yeah, it's essentially some... people vote on yeah. five individuals that make it into the or three or whatever that make it into the the voting pool. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack, why yeah. not? Why not Jack Eichel? Yeah, why yeah. They, right. There's some bias there, some possible bias, and and it's all going to be human judgment, obviously. So, right. It's mm. it's not just based on st- uh, it's a, good a question, number though. or stat, but yeah, no. It's a, it's a fun thought, and and it did. Rita, the question did bring to mind that Eichel is playing on a penalty kill unit, which I I thought was actually kind of a fascinating development. But it does, Ian. I think kind of like what you said, Ian, it speaks to the team's systems and the way the roster is constructed and the way the roster is played, right? Which is very Mm, much kind of the polar opposite to to a team like the Edmonton Oilers who lean so heavily on their top two lines, which is, you know, right, some teams are built that way. But yeah, but the Golden Golden Knights are not constructed that way and that's certainly not how they play. So thanks for that question, Rita. We always appreciate you and it's always fun to chat hockey with you. Um, Like I said, longstanding listener and supporter of the show and and Twitter buddy, or should I say X now? We know it's not called Twitter anymore. It's going to take me a while to get used to this. So if I say Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. Then then we have to call them X buddies, which just sounds like we're... (laughs) Does. It changes. It changes yeah, our so. entire vocabulary. I didn't even think about that. What am, What are we going to call yeah. them now? I don't want to call them X buddies. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's sort of buddies is, on X. So yeah, yeah, it has other implications, doesn't it? So uh, we'll have to we'll have to ponder that one, and maybe we'll come up with something by the next <laughs> episode. But folks, it's amazing to be back. We're so thrilled that hockey is back, as I know you are, and we're thrilled to be back on the air talking about hockey interacting with you guys and for all of you who are back listening welcome back good to see all of you we got a little quiet in the off season i'm i mostly just retweeted or should i say repost re-xed uh during the off season <laughs> to give myself a little bit of a break as well but we'll be back to being active and if you have any questions or any thoughts you'd like to share with us or things you'd like us to discuss on the show, don't hesitate to share those things with us on our Twitter slash X profile or at the website. You can use our mailbag feature and submit questions or thoughts there. And the website is goldandsteel.vegas. So please visit us on the web. Thanks again, folks. Enjoyed chatting hockey with you this time around. We'll see you in a couple weeks or maybe sooner. Signing off. Take care. Bye-bye.